Before I get to my next guest, Hal Sutton, I want to remind you about a couple of our friends, starting with the folks over at Strixon Cleveland Golf. The popularity of a cavity back wedge that can help golfers has grown fast. These are difficult to make, and Cleveland Golf is the only major vendor now out there making them. The CBX Zip has many features straight from the Tour RTX wedge, including zip grooves and a laser face for more spin around the greens from the fairway or the rough. Zipcore's lightweight density core moves the center of gravity, not just in the middle, but slightly forward towards the toe, for forgiveness on mishits and a solid feel on all shots. The dynamic sole on any loft helps turf interaction, which is at the heart of our Chunk It A Little Less TV ad. Hate your wedges? Can't get the spin you need to hit it close? Swap out your wedges for a set of the CBX Zipcores and save strokes immediately. There's a reason why CBX won gold this year on Golf Digest Hot List. For more information and to get yours, go online to clevelandgolf.com. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Sun Mountain. There's a company nestled in the valley of Missoula, Montana, that embodies the essence of quality, function, and innovation, and that's Sun Mountain, which started building golf bags back in 1981. They are an industry leader in golf bags, travel covers, outerwear, and push carts. With flagship products that you've come to know, like the C-130 cart bag, the 2.5 ultralight stand bag, the club glider travel cover, the speed cart, and Rainflex rain gear. Sun Mountain continues its quest to provide the very best in golf products to every range of golfer. Visit them online at sunmountaingolf.com to look at their amazing products. Okay, now next on the tee with me is another one of my all-time favorite guests, and that's PGA Tour legend Hal Sutton. He's a great follow on Twitter at Hal Sutton Golf. He also has a great podcast of his own. It's called Be The Right Club Today, which you can watch and subscribe to on YouTube. Also, it's available just about everywhere you get your podcasts. For those of you who haven't joined me before when Hal has been a part of this show, and you may not remember what a great career he's had, let me give you a quick reminder. He was named the 1980 College Player of the Year. Hal won 14 times during his college career at Centenary in Louisiana. He was a two-time All-American, and he led Centenary to the NCAA Tournament. He was a two-time Trans-American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Hal won the 1980 U.S. Amateur Championship, and he turned pro in 1981. Got his first win on the PGA Tour at the 1982 Walt Disney World Classic, and that year he was named the Tour's Rookie of the Year. In 1983, he was named the PGA Player of the Year after winning the Players' Championship and the PGA Championship. In 1998, he won the Tour Championship right here in Atlanta. In 2000, he won the Players' Championship for a second time. You guys remember that one by one stroke over Tiger Woods. How captained the 2004 U.S. Ryder Cup team. He backed up his 14 college victories with 14 more on the PGA Tour. He finished second 18 times. He has 135 top 10s, 239 top 25s, and he should be in the World Golf Hall of Fame. And I'm thrilled he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Hal, thanks for coming back on the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Chris. Uh, you you built me up too much. <laughs> All I said is what you've achieved. <laughs> it's not well, like I embellished I any of that. It sounds like uh, it's it's long ago. I've almost forgotten all of it. <laughs> Hal, you're a busy man, my friend. Catch us up. What's been going on with you? Well, uh, you know, we've made some changes at the academy. I've got some new people there. Uh, I'm 
about to start building a golf course that I'm like ultra excited uh, about. We're gonna use uh, CB McDonald and uh, Seth Rayner's templates to build a golf course down here in the Houston area. Uh, super piece of property, and uh, it's gonna be a fun project. Um, and I'm just not playing a lot of golf, and I, I want to former guest that uh, after hip replacement, your ball is closer to you rather than further away from you. He's not going <laughs> to gain distance. <laughs> I've had two of them, and the ball is far too close to me after I finish hitting it. <laughs> Good to know. I'll pass that along. Yeah. yeah. How? I mean, you mentioned the new golf course that you're going to work on. I don't know if you can give us any details about that, but if you can, please. And beyond that, you've done a little bit of coursework over the last several years. Is that something you want to get more involved in? Uh, I love that. Uh, taking a raw piece of land and using it as a canvas to create a golf course that, you know, I've loved golf all my life. It's all I've ever done. So, uh, you know, to play artist for a while. Uh, is fun and uh, this this piece of property was stripped from uh, sand and gravel a hundred years ago and there's big mounds on it and uh, we'll create a link style golf course it'll be uh you know I'll give you an example Chicago Golf Club is something similar to what this will look like when it's all finished and uh, love doing that it's uh how you mentioned Seth Rayner. Who are the course designers that you like and who have influenced you? Well, you know, there's so many. Um, this has taken me back to uh, the historical side of uh, golf course architecture. You know, C.B. McDonald uh, was and Seth Rayner were two of the very best there was. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but Seth Rayner was actually commissioned to do Cypress Points. And he passed away, and that's how Alistair McKenzie got to do it. Uh, wow. So that'll give you an idea of how well thought of Seth Rayner was. Uh, he did 85 golf courses in 13 years, and um, he was a study. He was a uh, an engineer under C.B. McDonald, so he he studied what C.B. McDonald was doing and. And uh, each time, no matter who you've been influenced by, you're still putting your uh, fingerprint on it, uh, your your version of whatever. Like, we'll use the templates uh, to build this golf course, and, you know, it'll be my version of the templates. You know, it'll be what the land gave us to be able to do with the templates. And so they're all different even though they have some common theme. Hal, I want to switch gears a little bit. And all the talk right now out on the PGA Tour is about Tom Kim. Guy's won two of the last four golf tournaments he played in. We saw him play really well in the President's Cup as well. But you know how we like to quickly anoint the next great player. We we have some sort of need to talk about somebody who is going to be the next great one out on tour. People did it to you. It was something that you had to deal with when you first came out on, on the PGA Tour. Talk about what you're seeing from Tom Kim, and, and is he a guy that you think we should get excited about for what he might be 
in 2023 and beyond? Well, I, you know, he's obviously played fantastic. Uh, a part of his recent play was uh, compliments of Cantley because that was an unfortunate thing on the team. And, and, you know, from a player's perspective, and in order for you to be able to, uh, win golf tournaments and, um, just like what happened this last weekend, uh, it's unfair to prematurely label people like that because, uh, he hadn't got enough experience yet to, to handle that. Even if he is that good, he hasn't. It's tough. That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, I'll be watching just like everybody else will. I'm pulling for him and hope he plays fantastic. Uh, but I'm not going to prematurely label him anything other than he's a great player. Let's see what he can do. Talk about the weight that we in the media seem to put on players too early. You had to deal with that. You came out and you were going to be the next Jack Nicholas. What's it well, like when you get labeled like that? What's that weight like? Well, I'll tell you exactly what it's like. I played golf basically for me because I enjoyed the game and I love the game. And I had my own expectations. I wasn't paying attention to what everybody else's expectations were until I failed them. And they started writing negative things about me, how I was failing their expectation. And, you know, I, I woke up one day and said, man, I didn't come out here and play golf for everybody else. I mean, I, I just love the game and I love competing and I'm trying to be the best I can be. And to wake up and read about you're a failure, you know, in whatever way, I was still, you know, I wasn't winning every tournament, but I was still you know, finish, I finished second like three or four times in 1984. You know, the difference between winning and finishing second is very little. Luck, maybe, sometimes. And that's what I was trying to say about Kim in this last victory that he had. If it hadn't have been for, you know, Patrick Cantley having a, a bad 18th hole, we wouldn't be, we'd be talking about Patrick Cantley instead of him. It's a hair difference between first and second most of the time. And, so it's hard on a player to get those sort of labels. Really is. Uh, Tiger handled it better than almost everybody. Of course, he's one of the most talented players that ever has ever grabbed a golf club. Um, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to play a lot of golf with Tiger. I was, was, uh, paying close attention every time I did trying to figure out what I might be able to take that he did and implement it into what I did. That's how much I thought of what he did. So, Hal, on the opposite side of that, we've seen players go through slumps, and it's hard to get back out sometimes. And we saw Jordan Spieth go through it, and fortunately he came out on the other side. We've seen Ricky Fowler go through it, and we're all hoping he can get back on the other side of it, but he's struggling to find his way back. You're a guy that, that had great success early in his career. He went through a slump for a while came out the other side. If you see a player that is like a Ricky Fowler, that is struggling to get back to where he once was or she once was, how do you go about talking to them, explaining things to them and helping them kind of mentally and physically get back to the great player that they once were? Well, 
so what I did, I don't know what everybody else would do, is I went back to basics. Um, I surrounded myself with the people that I knew were thinking about me when I wasn't writing them a check or I wasn't calling them. They were calling me instead. Uh, and that's usually the people that love you, not the people that want to make something off of you. And, you know, I sought their advice and went back to basics each and every time, went back to what I knew how to do, what I knew I could pull off under pressure. And little by little, I kept whittling away. I didn't ask too much of myself too soon. I just said, let's put one foot in front of the other and keep moving in the direction of uh, regaining who Hal Sutton was. Uh, I didn't try to reinvent myself. You know, we're living in a world right now, and this is really true of every golfer in the world. You know, we think we've never achieved the best we can be. We always think there's better out there. And, you know, sometimes the chase to be better uh, causes us to lose who we really are. And, you know, there's always people selling you a bill of goods out there. I mean, I'm, uh, this is no secret. Uh, if the shoe fits, they wear it. If, the, if it doesn't, I'm not talking about you. But there's plenty of people trying to hook their wagon to the horse. And, you know, they're trying to tell them what they can do for them. And that horse is saying, well, I'd love to run faster. Tell me how I might do that. <laughs> there you have uh, a guy chasing the holy grail of themselves, you know, as far as a golfer is concerned. So uh, most of the guys that have really achieved that kind of success, they want more of it to uh, have their name etched on a trophy that they don't currently have at all. And whatever it takes to do that, they'll try to do that. Hal, a couple more before I let you go. And and I had Tony Ruggiero on the show a couple of weeks ago. And you two had what I feel like was one of the most important golf conversations that I've heard in a while since some of the stuff that you've done on your podcast. And on his show, it's called uh, Tour Coach. And folks, I highly recommend you go out there and listen to this conversation. And one of the topics you two discussed was how today's players, if they hit nine shots perfectly and then hit one bad one, they spend time trying to figure out why that one went wrong instead of focusing on how well they hit the other nine. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, technology that's available to everybody today is uh, has put definition to golf shots in some way. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough that I came along earlier and I didn't have all this stuff. So, you know, I didn't, everything was great to me. I was, you know, it was feel. It was, um, I, every time I was hitting the ball great, I was trying my best to hang on to the feel that whatever I was working on at the time, just make it last as long as I could make it last. And today, if you start playing like that, we have high-speed cameras that are fast enough to see right where the club face is at, right where your hands are at. Uh, we can break it down as detailed as we need to make it. Cragman and all the other launch monitors that are out there right now can tell you exactly where your path is, your 
low point is, your club face is. I mean, so you can get details, as detailed as you want. And uh, because of that, I think it's made people forget how hard the game is. And they're seeking what happened on one shot that they missed. And, you know, I just, I think the joy of the game is lost in that. I know it has been for me. You know, I teach a lot now, as you know, and I, I go out and grab a golf club myself and get up on the first tee and I'm thinking, what did I used to do? <laughs> How can I forget what I used to do? And, you know, it was feel to me. It's, it's, I don't know if these guys see it as feel anymore or if they see it as a plus two to the right because I want to hit a draw or, you know, I don't know. I really don't know what they feel. <laughs> How one more. And you guys also talked about players needing to figure out who's to blame when things go wrong. Instead of looking in the mirror, it's the, the swing coach's fault. It's the caddy's fault. And the next thing you know, they're, they're firing this one or that one instead of taking accountability. And to me, that's a symptom of our society, the participation trophy society we've become. My, my failure to succeed can't be my fault. It has to be yours. So I need to move on from you. Am I wrong about that? No, I think, uh, but that's not anything new. You know, uh, we've all, Hal Sutton has suffered from some of that from time to time. You know, uh, the last person that we want to blame is ourselves. But, you know, to be honest, if you want to improve, you must be honest with yourself. And that's what we talked about a lot on the show that day was, you know, you can lie to everybody else, but you better not lie to yourself if you want to get better. And, um, you know, at the core of every golfer, they know exactly who's at fault. And even if someone else made a suggestion to you on how you might get better, it was your choice to follow that path. And as I've told several guys and a couple of girls that were really good players, until you actually accept the responsibility of your golf game, you will never play it at the highest level. Because if you want someone else to be responsible for this, you can't count on them all the time. So, you know, and, and your former guest, y'all talked about the LIV. I was hoping you'd ask me something about that. You want to, please, if you got an opinion, I'd love to hear it. One of the things y'all talked about was, is that the PGA Tour hadn't really made any real changes. So let me, let me tell you the changes that they've made. In 1983, I made $450,000 from being first on the money list. Last year it was 25 million or whatever it was. So they've made lots of changes. It's just not fast enough for everybody else. And, you know, tell you how I feel about the LIV. I was taught to never bite the hand off that fed me. And if, uh, it hadn't have been for the PGA tour, you wouldn't even know who Greg Norman was. Right. And it's, it's always amazed me that people forget that, you know, the PGA tour was the platform in which all those players actually developed a name to where anybody cared. You know, I just, 
I spent 20 some odd years out there playing. I was on the board for six years. I saw how everybody, I mean, uh, all those guys have plenty of money in their retirement accounts because of the PGA tour. And, uh, you know, it just, it breaks my heart to watch golf torn apart right now. And you, you, I think many of your listeners out there would have to agree that golf is being torn apart by this. I mean, we don't even know what to expect at next year's Masters. Who's going to be there and who's not going to be there? There was never a question of that before. All of a sudden, you know, when I played golf, we didn't go out there to play golf for money. Money was a byproduct of excellence. I went out there because I wanted my name etched on a trophy next to Jack Nicholas's or Lee Trevino's or Arnold Palmer's. I mean, that was the most important part of what we were doing. And did we get paid? Of course we got paid. And at the time, I thought I was getting paid royally to do it. And it just, it breaks my heart. I I, I wish uh, that somehow this wasn't happening. It is. We're, we're all talking about it. Uh, I can tell you I had to turn on a live turn, but I don't care what's going on over there myself but anyway uh so i had to say that i asked for that moment to talk about it (laughs) i'm glad you shared (laughs) how before i let you go how can our listeners stay up to date with all the great things you're doing remind them how they can do it online and on social media well it's how sudden golf online and actually it's how sudden golf on twitter too so I haven't been as active, and as you know, we haven't uh, done the podcast in a while. I just I needed a break from everything and have a lot going on, and uh, hopefully we can bring the podcast back pretty soon. But uh, we've really enjoyed doing the podcast, and uh, it's a lot of work, as you know. You're doing it. You're you're working at it all the time, and uh, you do the best job of everybody, and you you set the standard so high, Chris, that. I had to quit. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. Hal, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. It's always a huge thrill for me to get to spend some time with you. I hope you'll come back next season as we start season number 10 at the the, uh, beginning of 23. You uh you set the standard for guests on this show and the things that you contribute. I can't thank you enough for continuing to be willing to do it. Well, Chris, uh I- I'll echo what everybody says about you. You are a giver, and you give to all of us so much. And, uh you know, I'm not sure everybody out there knows this, but I'll get a text from Chris, and he'll say, what can I do for you, Hal? And so few people in the world will actually do that. They're actually wanting you to do something for them. And Chris, you are, you, you stand alone in what you do. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the things you do for golf as it's being torn apart by others. So <laughs> that means a great deal to me, Hal. I thank you so much for that. As do you, you mean a great deal to me. So thank you for your friendship. Thanks for coming back on the show every time I ask you to. And I do mean it sincerely. Whatever I can do for Hal Sutton, I'm here to do it. Well, as I am for you, Chris. Thanks a bunch.
and uh, take care. Look forward to next season. Thank you, Hal. Take care. Stay safe. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Okay. Bye-bye. That is the great Hal Sutton, folks. It doesn't get any better than that. The guy had a tremendous college and pro career. He's doing a lot for the game of golf. He's out there as an instructor now. Again, HalSuttonGolf.com is where you can find him on online and over social media. You can actually go get a lesson from Hal Sutton. How great would that be? Go get a lesson from a guy who won two players' championships and a 1983 PGA and should be in the World Golf Hall of Fame. And on top of that, he's just a sensational human being. I can't wait to catch up with him again very soon.